0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, all right, all right. If you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be wonderful. And as you do, if you want to find your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of 1 John, so you can find your way there. It's all the way at the end. Welcome to you. Happy New Year. It is 2024, hard to believe, 2024. Um, but if you're new to Awaken, we want to say welcome. We're really glad that you're with us. We would love to know that you were here today. So in the seat pockets in front of you, if you go to our website, awakenwestseventh.com, you can fill out that card. Let us know you are with us. Somebody from our team will reach out, invite you to a beverage of your choice. You can get to know us, we can get to know you a little bit. Uh, Those cards, if you fill them out here, and any tithes or offerings that you might have can go in the black boxes. There's four of them, one at each exit. Uh, I want to let you know about a couple things happening in the life of the church in the new year. The first of which is uh, listening groups information sessions. So uh, these previously were called spiritual direction groups, if you remember that. And there is an informational session that Kathy is hosting on January the 7th at 7 p.m. That is a Zoom info session, so you can register for that online uh, and hear a little bit more about what that is, uh, just small groups of people intentionally listening to one another and God for on behalf of each other, uh, and you can hear more about that. There is a 20-somethings get-together that Kathy and I are hosting on the 9th of January. Uh, we're going to meet at Blackstack Brewing, so if you're 20 to 29, if you're 19, sorry, if you're 30, sorry. Only 20-somethings are, ten- are invited to this little party. Uh, but to those of you who find yourself in that stage of life, we want to um, get together, hear from you, talk, uh, dream, wonder about... Um, you and your place at Awaken. So if that's of interest to you, Blackstack Brewing on the 9th, 7 p.m. Uh, there is a Discover Awaken class happening next week on the 14th. So if you're new, this is a th- thing we do every other month or so um, for new people at Awaken. So if you're interested and want to hear more about the church, you can attend that. Let us know. There is lunch available, so we can provide that for you. If you could register, that'd be great. And last but not least, uh, not next week, but the week after... The 21st the 28th February 4th and February 11th we're hosting a learning lab Um, my good friend Evie Peterson who I saw there you are Evie's here Um, Evie is hosting this and um, the the title of it is what's next Um, Evie is a uh, very talented and capable coach uh, and mentor in terms of like career and um, really um, in some ways listening and direction uh, and so she's offering this four-week class, kind of looking at where have I been, where am I, and where do I want to go, and then how do we make a plan to get there. So whether you're young and new in your career or older and more um, more mature in your career, this is for everybody. Uh, it is in person, and so um, pay attention to the, the dates and times. The first three are the same. The last one on the 11th is at noon because of the Super Bowl. So if you're attending, um, we're looking forward to seeing you there. Sound Good. All right, friends. Um, Welcome to Epiphany. I don't know if you know that, but yesterday, January the 6th, was the Feast of Epiphany. How many of you celebrated with a feast with your family to celebrate Epiphany? Go ahead and raise your hands. Anyone in the room? No. No, nobody really does that anymore, right? Uh, But long ago, that was a pretty big deal in in the church calendar, and it's the beginning of a season in the calendar called Epiphany epiphany exists between the 12 days of christmas right we have advent and then christmas 12 days of christmas epiphany on january 6th and that goes all the way up until lent which begins on ash wednesday Um, traditionally in the church calendar epiphany was about a couple of things right Um, maybe most obviously epiphany is about the light of god coming into the world at christmas maybe less obviously Uh, It is also about the royal kingship, celebrating the extension of God's kingdom in heaven to earth in and through the person of Jesus. So the magi, who we looked at in the Christmas series, come a little bit later, and they bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Jesus, fit for a king. The question is, what kind of kingdom, what kind of throne does this Jesus sit on? We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, It's also about uh, what what the, the, the church calls divine manifestation, or the incarnation where God becomes human in and through the person of Jesus. And then lastly, this idea of the royal nuptials. How many of you have used the word nuptials lately? Not very many of us. Uh, This is about marriage, right? The idea of God in Scripture, there's this metaphor, this picture of God having a bride, and that bride being the church. And so Christ and Christ's church coming together. So these things are all kind of themes around the season of Advent, or excuse me, around Epiphany. And for me, I've always loved this connection of, um, in Advent, right, we begin in darkness and we walk and make our way through darkness, and then the light of God comes, like like the the sun rising from the east, Uh, the light comes into the world. And and then Epiphany is kind of like in the Gospels. If you're from a liturgical church, there's always a Gospel reading. During Epiphany, it's all about the readings of, of, like, working out, what does it mean that Christ is now here? So it's the earlier part of the Gospels you'd be reading from. And this feast, Epiphany, is forever and always on January 6th uh, because it's connected to Christmas Day. And so for us in 2022, right, that sort of added some layers to what does the Feast of Epiphany, where we celebrate the coming of the light of God into the world, on this day when something else happened that you might have remembered on January the 6th, a few years ago. Um, We're actually going to come back to that in the end. But a little bit of history about Awaken. Uh, we started our church on Christmas Eve, really, the, like weekly worship service. We started on Christmas Eve of 2010. And so a little over a year after that, um, we were at the Joke Joint Comedy Club, which no longer is there. And that seated about 150 people totally packed. And at that time in 2012, so like January of 2012, we were, we were full, um, about a year and a half into our church, we were like 130 adults on Sunday mornings, and our kids space was just teeming with children. We had this small little nursery; we were packing like 15, 20 babies in there at a time. It was not safe. The moms, the moms of awakened, were like, "We need to change this." Um, and so we did a series in Epiphany in January, like 11 years ago. Um, 13 years later, uh, we just saw two weeks ago, like the previous attendance record of Awaken totally smashed. I don't know if you guys know this or not. If you weren't here for Christmas, we had over a hundred or 850 people in this building over two hours. It was insane. Like people were hanging from the chandeliers back here. (laughs) I could have never seen anything like it in my life. Um, but you know, and similar to 2012, like our kids community is, is often full, especially second hour. And so, um, as a, as a result of, like, more and more people finding home and community and life at Awaken, which we want to pause and celebrate. Like, after the year that we had together in 2023, where we, 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 we left our denomination, we were kicked out of our denomination, like, we want to pause and say, God is still at work in our church, and that's reason to celebrate. Amen? Like, lots of good things happening around here and in here. Yeah. And so, while Awaken is Awaken, and Micah is Micah, and um, we're facing very similar challenges that we did 11 years ago, Awaken's not the same church that it was 11 years ago, and I'm not the same pastor that I was 11 years ago. And so, we thought it would be interesting to kind of go where we've been together before, but as different people, right? We did the same series, or studied the same book, at a similar time in our church's history, But we're very different people. We're a different church. I'm a different pastor. And so in the next six weeks, we're going to be in the book of 1 John studying this book. And we're hoping that uh, this letter, these letters to a group of churches in the Middle East, which had enough wisdom for them then and us 11 years ago, still has some wisdom for us today. Can I get an amen on that? So that's where we're going to go. Today, here's what I want to do. I want to introduce to you this book. I want to kind of lay some of the foundation, the groundwork that's going to help us understand and interpret, like, what are we reading? And then with the time remaining, I want to just uh, unpack the prologue of 1 John chapter 1. So, um, Joy, I would invite you to come and read the text. If you uh, have your Bibles, this is 1 John chapter 1. I'd invite you to stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the Word, and then we will dive in. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Pray with me if you would. God, as we gather this morning, it's my hope and prayer that um, the meditations of my heart, the words of my mouth would be honoring to you, that they would uh, encourage and edify and lift up invite your church to be more and more the people that you desire us to be. Um, It's to that end, I pray, and by the power of your spirit, in your name, Jesus, the church said together. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to begin this morning, I want to read a letter uh, that I've written, and this is a letter to uh, our senator here in Minnesota, okay? So, my dearest Juliet, I very dearly miss you, my goddess, my bloom, my love, my love, Every moment away from you is similar to a dagger right into my heart. My actions to kill Tybal were not meant to hurt you in any way. He had stricken down my friend Merc- Merc- Mercutio." That's a tough one to say. I could very well... You all, you all know what I'm doing here? Uh, yours, Romeo. Yours, Romeo. So, yeah, um, I did not read you a letter from my, to my senator, but I said I did. And so uh, I said I was going to read a letter to my senator, and if you know anything about politics or you know anything about what it means to be have a representative government, you might expect me to talk about, like, thank you for your service on behalf of the people of the state of Minnesota. You might expect me to talk about things like legislation and, you know, things that are uh, being talked about and debated on, on Capitol Hill. You might expect me maybe to encourage uh, some things that I would like to, to, to see happen, you know, as a representative of, of the people of, of Minnesota or my disappointment in some of the positions that my senator has taken or is, you know, uh, move, moving up the hill. Uh, but no, actually, I read a very different letter from like a, a rewrite of Shakespeare, which has very different assumptions, very different rules, very different uh, rules of engagement. If I, were, if I had said, I'm going to read to you a letter uh, about Shakespeare or from Shakespeare, You would expect maybe like language you hadn't heard in a long time or roundabout ways to say something that isn't exactly straight to the point but is quite lovely or beautiful. Um, You might expect some, you know, drama in between characters, right? The reason you would expect these two things in these two different situations is because there's context for each of them, right? And I would suggest that the same is true with the Bible. When you pick up the Bible, you can't just pick it up not knowing what you're reading, You have to understand the context in which it was written, who it was written to, why it was written, what the situation was surrounding when it was written, and all of these things are going to help shape and inform what you're reading. If you're going to read the Bible and apply it to your life with the hopes of it making any kind of a difference, I would submit to you that context is everything. It's the key to unlocking meaning, because you can make the Bible say anything you want, right? And we've all heard that before. So... As we study the Bible at Awaken, and we're about to enter a book study where we're just gonna like study the text, I wanted to start here and remind us that, like, these questions about who was this written to? Why was it written? What was going on in the life of these people in in the world at that time? All of those things are gonna help shape and form how we understand and interpret 1 John. Okay? So, um, a little bit of background in history. Let's answer some of those questions. So, first, who? Uh, who wrote this book? First, second, and third John—they're late in the in the New Testament. They all go together. These books should be read as one or as a as a group that speak to are addressed to the same general group of people and are addressing the same situation. Um, when you get to like who actually wrote first, second, and third John, the debate is very contentious. There are a number of options. There is John the Apostle, who was a, a follower of Jesus, a firsthand witness. Um, was it that John? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Another option is John. They call him John the Evangelist, who is not John the uh, the Gospel writer. And then there's John the Revelator, or John who wrote the Book of Revelation. And if you read a commentary, uh, you, you can find opinions uh, that say it's this, that, or that, and, and they're all over the place. There's not a lot of consensus on who actually wrote these books. Here's some things that I think are important for us. Whether that's it, whether it John, the uh, writers of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John wrote Revelation or not, it doesn't really matter because the themes are quite different. John's gospel, however, and the themes of the gospel, actually the language of the gospel, you're, you'll hear a little bit of this in a minute, uh, informs whoever wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Whether it was the same person or not, whoever wrote these letters had the gospel of John because they're drawing on and pulling in the themes of John's gospel. So maybe it was the same person. Probably wasn't. If, if I had to like argue or, or uh, build a case, I don't think it was the same person, but I think that writer had John's gospel in mind or in hand while writing these letters. So that's who, what. These are letters... These are written, um, we're like reading someone's mail, okay? This is not general information or a general thing written to, like, everybody who ever walked the face of the planet who called, you know, called themselves a Christian. This is written to a group of people, a group of house churches, actually, in the Middle East. Um, it was likely written between, like, 90 and 110 A.D. So this is, like, the first or second generation of Jesus followers after Jesus. And um, in and around the city of Ephesus. So if you know the New Testament, Paul, of course, uh, did some missionary journeys and started a church in Ephesus. Uh, This is a group of house churches somewhere in and around near the city of Ephesus, which is like modern-day Turkey. Now, maybe the most important question is why. Why does John, why does this person write these letters to this group of people And as you get into the books, you begin to realize that there is a specific situation happening and going on. So in verse 7 of chapter 1, we read, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have heard or you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. So we can deduce, just by reading what's in the text, that John knows that these people have heard the gospel. They have heard the good news about Jesus. This is not something new. This is not new information that they're getting, but rather, John the writer is writing to remind them of the things that they have already known and affirmed. This is different than Paul's work when he writes to you know, the, uh, a group of people in Philippi or Ephesus or Corinth, where Paul, a lot of times, is like presenting the news about Jesus, right? About his death and his resurrection and trying to convince these people that this is a way better than maybe the way that they're on. That's not what's happening in John. He he's telling them you already know this. You have got this information and I'm writing to you to remind you to to to, to maybe uh, you know like spark your your memory about the things that you've said yes to already. Why? Because there's a group of people in and, in and among these house churches who have dissented. They are they're def, de, uh, defected, right? From the fellowship of believers. There's a group of people who are are Paul talks about like believing another gospel or they're adding to what's been already taught about Jesus and his life and his teachings or they're subtracting and they're, they're, they're saying this isn't true about that. And John is saying like this is dangerous because this is what's true about Jesus and we want you to know that. And there's a group of people who are saying ah, it's this and that and that and that. And they're trying to convince this little group of house churches that they should follow this way and not that way. And so John writes in in chapter 2, we read, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Pause. (laughs) This is not Nikolai Carpathia. okay? If anybody read those books. How many of you read the Left Behind series? Yes, yes, they're terrible. This is awful. They're just very, very bad theologically. I do not recommend them at all to you. Um, I read every one of them. I... I once taught a whole group of junior hires, like, basically left behind theology. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't you talk to junior hires about Revelation in the end times? (laughs) I was 21. I was 21. Um, So, John says, it's the last hour. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. I would suggest to you this is not a person... Um, who is going to like make people get 666 on their forehead or some microchip in their hand or some crazy... No, this is a general idea, because look what he says even further, that the, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, right? The Antichrist or Antichrists are people who stand at odds with the good news in the gospel that is Jesus, his life and teachings, death and resurrection insofar as you oppose that light that has come, scripture would define you or call you or put you in the category of antichrist, which is not about revelation and the end times, but just antichrist, right? So to be clear, that's what he's talking about here. So there's a group of people who are teaching things that are not consistent with the gospel. And so John is saying, listen, gang, uh, I got to remind you of the things you've said yes to. I want to you know, uh, come back to some of the basics, right? This is a football, or this is the gospel, and, like, give, keep, like stay dedicated to that. Be, be wary, be careful of a gr- this group of people who are preaching another gospel, right? That's what's going on, and that's what John is addressing in the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, the structure of our book, 1 John, is quite simple. There's an introduction, there's a conclusion, and there are two main sections in the middle, one about light and one about love. And if you read the gospel, which, by the way, this is your homework for next week, if you, if you call Awaken Home and you're going to be back next week, um, I would invite you this week to sit down and read 1 John. It's only five chapters. It will take you, like, ten minutes. And as you do, I want to invite you to, like, pay attention to what you're thinking what you're feeling, and what questions you have. Um, this is a book that you will, you will recognize a lot of what you read. And if I know anything about our little church that we have here, it may, it may trigger some of you. It may cause some of you to get a little anxious. Uh, I want you to pay attention. So as you read 1 John, pay attention to what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what questions you have. And then next week, when we get back together, we're going to start there, and we're going to do a little processing about what we read and what we experienced, okay? So, uh, structure, introduction, conclusion, light, and love. And each of the two middle sections begin with this phrase, um, John says, this is the message we have heard for him, I declare to you, and then this is the message you've heard about at the beginning, and then he begins to talk about light and love. So, today... A little bit of background, right? We're laying the foundation for where we're going. Now let's look at the actual prologue that we read or we heard read this morning. It starts in verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Stop. we got to stop there. We're only in the first sentence. That. What is that that John is talking about? The writer begins with that which was from the beginning. What is that? Um, There's this band that I used to listen to called Waterdeep. And, um, oh, Do I have a Waterdeep fan out there? One, okay, there we are. Um, Waterdeep, this is when I was in college, and uh, I thought about playing the song for you this morning, but I just just, got rid of that idea real fast. There's a song by Waterdeep, and it's called And, which is a clever title for a song. And the chorus goes like this. And is the juice in the joints of the motion of life. And is the love between God and his beautiful wife. And has two hands and two feet and a long, lovely side. And rose three days after he was crucified. What is and? Not a rhetorical question. You can play along. What is and? Yes, the answer is Jesus. Good job, everybody. (laughs) It's not a trick question. Not a trick question. This time, the answer actually is Jesus. You've all heard that joke I've said before. yeah. Sunday school, little kiddo, he's downstairs, and the teacher's like, what's gray? Bushy has big tail and eats nuts. And the kid's like, sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer's Jesus. <laughs> the answer is Jesus, and is Jesus. More specifically, the Christ, which is different, right? The Christ is the pre-existent, eternal uh, like, divine spark, energy, second person of the Trinity, logic, blueprint for the whole entire crea- creation and cosmos. Jesus is the incarnate of that. So, and is the Christ. It's the juice and the joints of the motion of life. It's also this person who has a long, lovely side and two hands and two feet. So, the, 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 the artists are doing this clever little bit here with the word and. And I would suggest that John begins the same way. That. That. What is that? That which was from the beginning. And then he goes on to say, that which was from the beginning, which is the word of life. The word of life. This is where, if you know John's gospel, John 1, you should start to hear like similar or recognize, right? John's gospel begins, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of mankind. That light shines in the darkness. The darkness hasn't overcome it. That's John's opening to his gospel. So you can see that John, the writer of 1 John, has that in his pocket, yeah? That which was from the beginning. That which is the word of life. That which we now have seen and heard and we proclaim to you, he goes on to say. So in 1 John, there's two words here in this that which was, from the beginning, the word of life. Two words that are really important in what he's actually saying. The first is word, and the second is life. In Greek, it's logos and zoe. The first word, logos, it translates word. Yes, that is true. But the logos, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's more more nuanced than that. And it has the idea of, uh, like, blueprint, design, logic, energy, the wisdom of God. So when you hear John say the word of God was from, uh, in the beginning was the word, John's not talking about the Bible. John's not talking about the word of God. He's talking about something else. He's talking about the logos, which is like the pre-existent eternal Christ, right? The logic, the blueprint, the very fabric of the universe, that which speaks into existence, creation in the cosmos. So logos, the word, is a word. It talks about the Bible. But in this context, what First John, uh, John is saying is that which was from the beginning is the word of life. The word is not just the book. It's not just a word. It's like the whole thing. The word of life, zoe. There's three Greek words that you can use if you want to say life. Zoe, bios, and suke. Let's take the second two. Bios, we get the word biology, right? This is like skin and bones, flesh and blood, that which is crea- like material. You know, I'm living in a material world because I'm a material girl. That's bios, okay? Madonna had bios in mind when she wrote that song. We all know this, it's, it's what we experience every day, it's what we eat, it's, it's, it's us, flesh and blood, right? Then there's suke, it's where we get our word psyche or psychology, which has to do with the mind or the spirit. So body and spirit, right? You could say bios or suke. John doesn't use those two words, he uses zoe, which is a different kind of quality of life. It's a deeper, much like logos, it's, it's like way bigger than life. Well, what does it mean? He's tapping into the uncreated, divine, eternal life of God. The wisdom that existed before creation began, that is now imprinted into creation. So, friends, we're in the first verse of this chapter, of this book, and John has said a ton. That, what is that? It's the word of life. It's that which was from the beginning. It's the Christ it's the pre-existent, it's the eternal, it's the wisdom, it's the blueprint, it's the logic, it's that which breathes and speaks creation into existence, that which brings life, not just bios and suke, but, like, fulfilling, big, eternal, like, the life that exists in God, that is what John is talking about when he says that. Everybody with me? Okay? So, uh, then he goes on to say, like, that, but... What has happened to and with that? Verse 2, he says, This life, that which was from the beginning, that word of life, has appeared. So John is talking about something deep and profound and, like, magical. And I don't mean that in an untrue sense. I mean, like, mysterious and, like, big, right? That which was from the beginning, the word of life, has appeared. This is Philippians chapter 2 when Paul says uh, Jesus doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but like lays it down and becomes a human. This is the magic and the beauty of Christmas. That which was from the very beginning has appeared in and through the person we call Jesus, born in Bethlehem in a manger to Mary and Joseph and the Holy Spirit. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That has appeared. It has come. And not only has it come, not only has it appeared, John says, but we have seen it. We have touched it. We have experienced it. We have heard it with our own ears. That which was from the beginning, the word of life, we have seen, heard, tasted, touched, felt, experienced, we now proclaim to you. John seems to want to make it very clear That there is a difference between something happening and you having experienced that thing, right? There was a blizzard that dumped 24 inches of snow in northern Minnesota. This is not true. On the one hand, and I drove through a blizzard that it dumped 24 inches of snow in northern Minnesota. I drove on the roads. I felt the sting of the wind. I heard the pelting of the wind, the, on the glass of my car, right? That's very different than a blizzard dumped 24 inches of snow in northern Minnesota. Do you see what I'm saying? What John is getting at here is something has happened. Something has appeared. That which was from the beginning, the word of life, Zoe, Lagos. But it didn't just happen. We have experienced it. We have seen it. We have touched it. It has come and met us. Question for you this morning as we open our study in 1 John. Are you aware of something that has happened? And has that awareness grown beyond awareness? Is there a sense in which you have experienced the very life of God? Where you could say, I, I, I have touched, I have seen, I have experienced, I have felt, I have, it, is, it has met me, and I have met it. Like, those are two different things. Both are very important, like to say, I think this happened, this appeared, this, this event. And then there's another level of being able to testify to your experience with that thing that has happened. And I just offer that as a question for you this morning. Like, where would you say you land in that area? And what would it mean to move along that journey and that trajectory? John, in his opening, he keeps saying, we and you. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, we have seen this, we have heard, we have touched, and we proclaim to you, you, you. Well, who's we and who's you? I think what John's getting at is there are those proclaiming what they have seen and heard and experienced. We. There is a group of us. There is a, 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 a an eldership. There is a, 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 a small gathering of people. We have experienced this. We testify to it. We, we proclaim it to you. Maybe you who have forgotten, or you who have yet to experience, or you who are on the edge of doubt and belief. And again, I would just invite you to consider, like, If there were those categories that John seems to be using of we and you, where do you find yourself this morning? And there's this beautiful thing that happens when you see and hear and experience this word of life. And we see it in all three verses of chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This we proclaim. And testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life. We proclaim to you so that you may also have fellowship with it. You may also find it. it. You may also experience and interact. And so that... Friends, what is the joy of Awaken's growth? Like, why, are, why am I excited? Why do we clap about, like, Awaken growing? Is it so that our budget can get bigger and there can be more people and there's more press or more notoriety or people notice Awaken or, like, my, I finally get my face on a bus bench. (laughs) I've always said, if you ever see my face on anything, just fire me and send me to the pills. Like, I'm done. I am done at that point. Like, like, what's the joy of Awaken's growth? Is it up and to the right for our sake? No, 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 absolutely not. It is so that... More and more people who have been looking for, like seeking, trying to find the word of life, the Logos and the Zoe, so more and more and more of those people can find and experience, no taste, touch, see, experience that which is life. That's the joy of it. That's why it's exciting. If any of you can testify to and proclaim the life that you have found, the Logos and the Zoe, in this Jesus, then don't we want that for more people? Yes, yes, you'd be be selfish not to. So when we celebrate, when we clap, when we're excited about, I want to be clear what we're excited about. This is not our little kingdom we're building here. This is not our little project. This is not our little TV station we're seeking to launch, right? Our our music label. All things are, those are fine, right? All God's kids got a place in the choir. If you ever hear me critique other ministry or people, you can call me on that because that's not what I'm up here for. That's not what we're doing. All God's kids got a place in the choir. Some sing high, some sing low. Some sit out on the telephone wire. You ever (laughs) heard that one? In this community, the joy the celebration, the, the excitement is that I sat at lunch this last week with somebody and they wanted to know like what I do. And I was like, well, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, and I said to them, I'm a terrible faker. I I, I don't lie all that well. If I, it's not true for me, like I can't stand up here week after week and convince you that it is. And I said, I have lived 46 years of life, and I have pastored for 24 of those, and I stand here week after week proclaiming to you, testifying to you that which I have seen and experienced and that I know. I have found God to be faithful time and time and time and time and time again in my own life and in the life of our church. And so what I tell you is not a shtick. It's not, a, it's not a, some sort of like program, uh, pyramid scheme. It is so that, like I, if Christ is not, if this, is, I'm a fool, Amen. right? I'm like, I'm going down on the ship on this one. And so I testify to you, I proclaim to you, I offer to you, as John does to this little church and reminds them that the life that I believe Christ offers and that, is, that we celebrate at Epiphany is one that is the Logos kind of life and the Zoe kind of life, and it is, it is, it's like backwards and upside down to the kingdoms of this world and the ways in which we operate. Just this last week, we saw, like, I saw one of our highest-ranking former public officials signing a bomb that said... Like from or for, uh, like it said, from Israel, and it was, it was intended for Lebanon. When Jesus was alive, his disciples invited him to like uh, overthrow the government. Do you know this? They were, they were ready for an insurrection, they were ready to overthrow the government of their time, and Jesus' choice was peace and self sacrificial love. The kingdom we're talking about is radically opposed to and different than the kingdoms of our world. Amen? And so when we say Jesus, when we say the word of life, when we say follow this way, it's this kind of path. It's this Christ, this, this Messiah, this Jesus who leads us. And John says, don't forget that which you've heard, that which you know, that which you've said yes to. So if you're there, let me remind you. And if you're not sure, if you're on the fence, I'll just say, give it a go. Try it out. Tell, and tell me a year later if your life is not more full, more like, like you're tapped in to something that's alive and true. And we can have a conversation about that. But I'll bet you that you will be, because I believe it. So friends, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for coming. (laughs) That is how you end a sermon in uh, homiletics. Um, I want to offer a word of prayer, um, and I'm excited for this journey that we're on together in this season of Epiphany as a church, as we make our way towards Ash Wednesday and Lent, um, like, what does it mean to think about the light of God having come to the world and this king who sits on a throne that is unlike any other throne? So let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll move our, make our way to the table. God, this morning we take a moment to pause, to be still, to be quiet, to listen. We recognize that the preacher doesn't know everything and oftentimes doesn't know much. And so we, we make space for the still, small voice of your spirit. So find us on the mountain like you did your prophet and whisper that which is true and life-giving to us so that we might follow you more. My friends, good to be with you. The happiest of New Year's to you. A reminder of your homework this week, should you choose to accept it. The book of First John, five little chapters. What are you thinking, feeling, and what questions do you have? Uh, go with this blessing. If you would, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, Amen, Amen. Grace and peace, my friends. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakeandcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community. Or on Twitter at Community. See you next time.